Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. If you're visiting with us, I want you to know that you're welcome here. This is worship. This is worship. We love Jesus here. It may not be exactly what you're used to, but if you'll look a little closer, you'll find that people love God, and they're just loving Him in the way that they know. Hallelujah. He's good. He's good to us. He's good to us. I, I want you to know you're welcome, and we're so happy that you're here with us today. Just a couple of things. This is Mission Sunday, so we always receive a missions offering. All those flags behind you on the wall, those, are, those represent not only countries, but uh, we represent the countries where we have missions, missionaries that we, this congregation, supports and prays for. Not only do we support them with our prayers, but we support them with our, with our, with our cash. <laughs> it's a good thing, amen? To say that, that I'm a part of a mission in Japan, that I'm a part of a mission in, in Scotland and in Rwanda and the various places. Even though I might not be able to go there, my money can go there, and I'm supporting someone there who's preaching and teaching the gospel. That's a good thing, and I, and I, want, I will give you an opportunity to, to, to be a part of that uh, in a little while. Just a couple of things. We have a, I believe we've got a board meeting this week. The information's there. Uh, we have a special service coming up on the 22nd. It's going to highlight our kids' ministry, and, and you just can't miss it. If you, if you have some kids in your life, you need to gather them up and bring them in and, uh, and, and put them on the front row or the second row and get them here and, and make sure that they have an opportunity to, to enjoy that. Um, National Girls Ministry, there's a camping thing. Um, that, uh, that you can read about in here. Lots of things. Women's Bible study, uh, recruiting for uh, children's church, and all of those things. Amen? Amen? Uh, gentlemen, if you'll come, and folks, if you will prepare yourselves, we believe in tithing, we believe in giving, we believe in, in honoring God with our first fruits. We believe that He gave us everything. <laughs> we believe that He has given us everything. From the breath in our breath in our in our lungs, to the capacity to, to, to make a living, and to do well, and we practice our thanksgiving by honoring Him with the first fruits of our of our paychecks, the first fruits of our lives, and uh, we call that tithing. The Scripture calls that tithing and giving offerings. Amen. Amen. And you've had the the, the a few moments to pull checks and. And, and shekels and gold and whatever else is in your purse and, and get ready. Pray for us. Heavenly Father, we truly thank you and praise you this day. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we oh, once again yeah. can gather ourselves together to worship and to praise you and to praise you by giving of that which you've so graciously given unto us. We ask now, Lord, your blessings upon this offering and upon this tithe, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Worship God. Love Him with your giving. Last week, uh, Leroy, Shirley Leroy Hamilton. Most of us don't know him as Shirley, but that's part of his name. Uh, some people called him Cy. I went home to be with the Lord. He was a member and a part of this congregation for many, many years. And... Uh, uh, and uh, it was, he, was, he was a fine, fine gentleman, and, and the family, uh, you know, Suzanne and Don, would like to give thanks to everyone who, who helped with the funeral, 
and with food and all the things that took place. And if you, if you, did, if you missed it, you know, it, that's the thing about funerals. I mean, Leroy passed away on, on Tuesday. We buried him on Friday. And it's easy, and some of you maybe have heard, you're hearing for this for the first time. Sometimes it's easy to miss them if it happens in the middle of the week. And, and so uh, Suzanne and, and Don are here today, and the flowers back there near the, near the, near the back door come from the funeral. Uh, take a moment or, or two to, to, uh, uh, to, to pass your sympathies uh, to, to the family. But uh, he's with Jesus. And it wasn't it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a hopeless sorrow that we felt on on Friday. Amen. 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 Stand with me, if you will. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna we're, we're talking about choices, and today I'm going to talk some, about temptation. But and uh, and so the question. Okay, now here's this, this is the hard part. The question of the day, and when you step out from where you are, typically this is how it works. We step out from where we are, we greet one another, and we just shake hands, and we talk to each other just for a moment or two. But I always give you, you might say, a bullet to use, a question that you can step out with. Now, and here's the question. Uh, what was, was there something this week that you were tempted to do? Okay? Perhaps that you didn't do, or now I'm not asking for deep, dark confessions here. Not a good idea, Okay? <laughs> Nothing that hurts anyone, but 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 uh, that's a question. And if the person looks at you and says, "Man, I'm not answering that one," <laughs> give them a pass. All right, step out from where you are and greet one another in Jesus' name today. Now, I asked you to ask each other: Was there something that you were tempted to do this week? And, uh, you know, I, I went to, uh, most of you know I went to Japan a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, that was a great trip. Uh, it seems like June and, and July, early July, were filled with things, wedding, Japan, and this last week, uh, or actually, it was Friday night after we did, the, we, we were part of the funeral for uh, Leroy, I got in the car and drove to Cincinnati, and... Uh, and walked into my 40th high school reunion. Those people got old and fat. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it was difficult to recognize. In fact, there was one guy, I had to, you know, do the old thing like, you saw the, the, the movie Hook with, uh, with uh, you know, with Robin Williams and stuff, and, 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 and he used to be Peter Pan, and now he's gotten old and, older and fat, and... Uh, and the, they're trying to, to recognize him, and the little boy comes up to him, and he peeled, pushes his skin back and says, Oh, there you are. <laughs> and I felt like that uh, on, uh, you know, the other night when I, I looked at one guy and said, Oh, there you are. Was, I'm sure they could have done that to me too, but it was a lot of fun. But yesterday morning we stopped out, and, and we were talking about temptations and stuff, and I, was with, and I was paired up with three other guys on the golf course. And these guys were not believers, obviously. I, I could tell that from, from uh, they were great guys, but people that I'd grown up with. And boy, were they shaving the score. <laughs> and uh, so I felt that tension because I was keeping the scorecard. And I felt that tension, you know, that, that, you know that, that, that comes when you know that, they, that, 
there's something wrong with what they want to do, and you're and you uh, erroneously or somehow get connected in there, and I'm writing these scores down. It says, you know, most of you know uh, if you play golf, you know what a foot wedge is, and they were using that, so. So, so from time to time, even the small things, you, get, you, you find yourself uh, under, the, under the tension that comes with temptation. Now, uh, this, is the kind of, uh, uh, this is the kind of sermon that a pastor must speak and teach to the people that, 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 that he's a pastor of, okay? Uh, because temptation is a part of, 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 of our Christianity, right? You know, it's a part of life. And we need to know, you need to know, I need to know how to deal with that and so effectively and successfully live the Christian life in, uh, in, 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 the, in the context of grace, in the context of forgiveness, but, but also somehow be successful in, in kind of like not disappointing ourselves and not disappointing God every time we turn around. Um, so we're still talking about choices. Last week I said, you, I said to you, choose Go on and choose. One of the powerful things that you do have, that God gives you the capacity to choose. Okay? And we need to choose. Too many of us ride the fence. And we don't make a definitive choice for our life. We don't make definitive choices for our life. So we never find ourselves in a place of of true spiritual uh, satisfaction. We're caught between two opinions. You know, we're, we're drawn, and, and, and I'll speak about that, that drawing or that conflict that goes on within us that keeps us sometimes on the fence. Uh, can I say this, folks? The world, the world out there, the, the world around us, desperately needs to see the real thing when it comes to Christianity. The world around us desperately needs to see the real thing when it comes to Christianity. And they're going to see that through you. So it's imperative that, I'm not saying that that, that we have to live, we're not going to live perfect flawless lives. Okay, I know that already. And God has, has, uh, you might say, a parachute for that. Okay? But there needs to be integrity there needs to be at least honesty in dealing with spiritual things in our lives and the mistakes that we make. Okay? You know, when people see you make mistakes and, and you say you're a Christian, they see you, they see you sin or they see you kind of uh, 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 not quite get there. Admitting you're wrong. Admitting your fault goes a whole long way, a really long way, okay? Does that make sense? That makes, that makes a lot of sense. That's part of the parachute, okay? Okay. We need to be able to live and act, um, um, uh, act, act in such a way that we can preemptively live and successfully live as, as Christians, okay? Choices. Making the right ones isn't, simple, isn't just as simple as knowing the right way and choosing it. How many of us know that? It's not that simple. Because there's other things that, are, that afflict us, and we'll talk about that just in a little bit. 
Okay? And we'll talk about the conflict within. Turn with me to Romans, the 7th the chapter. We didn't get these, uh, these, these passages up. They tried to get them from me, and we were just so busy. So, so we're going to do it old school. Get your Bibles out. Okay? And go to the index if you don't know where Romans is, and you'll find it there. And there's a page number. Go to Romans chapter 7, and I'm going to take you through some passages of Scripture. My intention today is taught to talk to you about temptation and overcoming temptation, how you deal with it, and, and how you deal with it when you don't overcome it. Okay? Does that make sense? Now, let's first of all talk about the conflict within that, uh, that makes it a little hard uh, just, you know, in other words, uh, sometimes we know what the right, okay, got it, okay? Sometimes we know the very thing that we should do, but we don't do it. Anybody with me on that? Okay? A common flaw, uh, or a common, uh, a common stumbling block. Uh, and, 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 and Paul says it this, Paul says it this way, uh, verse 14, he says, Okay, verse 7, I need to get in the right chapter. For we know that the, let's see. Okay, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold into the bondage of sin. And now here, here, here is this. Uh, for what I am doing, I do not understand. And for what I, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. But if I do the very thing I hate, I do not want to, that I do not want to do. I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now that no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing is good that dwells in me, that is my flesh. For the willingness present in me, the willingness present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the very good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but that sin dwells within me. Now, do you see the conflict? And, and you intuitively, you know the conflict. You know the right way to go oftentimes, but you find within yourself there is something working and alive and present that sometimes causes us to stumble. Anybody? Okay. I mean, that's, that's and, and, you know, if you, if you read on, uh, Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall save me from this? And then he talks about the grace and the power of God in Christ Jesus, okay? All right. So we, uh, the, the only thing I really wanted to do was to highlight and get you on board with, uh, with, the, with the fact that we have this tension. We're not going to play the game of denial. You know, in other words, oh, no, it doesn't happen. Oh, no, I, I never sin. Oh, no, I never, I'm never tempted. You know, I've heard people say that. I'm saying, what world do you live in, man? I mean, how can you, how can you say those kind of things? And, you know, it's like, just, it's like uh, no, the world is, it really isn't round. It's flat. No, the world really isn't round. It's flat. How can we live in such a way that we deny the very, I mean, you know, it, it just leads us nowhere. Let's simply acknowledge that we wrestle with sin. Let's simply acknowledge that there is a war that's going on inside of us that sometimes we stumble and we lose. Okay, all right. Okay, well, I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that. Now let's look at James, the first chapter, the cause of the conflict. 
And I think this, is, this takes us there. I like this one. Uh, verse, James 1, verses 12 through 14. There's a lot in this little passage here. Again, what am I trying to teach you this morning? I'm trying to teach you what the Scripture says about the reality of temptation and how to overcome it and how to live and recover when you don't overcome it. Okay? How to live victoriously in this, in this kind of a conflict situation. Does this make sense? Okay. All right. James, James, the first chapter, verses 12 through 16. We, we retreated uh, to a, a, pass, or a, a sermon by Chuck Green, uh, Kristen's dad, uh, where uh, one of the things he did say is like, if you, you know, we never heard from Joseph, Joseph, Jesus' father, but we did hear from James, and James was his oldest son. And so if there was something that Joseph would give us, it would be something like this. Okay? It was kind of cool. Uh, he said, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Have you ever been under trial? Okay? Blessed are you when you persevere. Okay? That tells you that it's not going to be easy. Perseverance is something that takes place when you're wrestling. When you're pushing back. When the pressure is on you and you don't want to give up. Okay? Blessed is the one. Blessed are you when you persevere under trial. For once he has been given, he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Another translation of that word lust is evil desire. Could I even step back and say, when the desire that we have. Now, our, our desires are typically associated with the appetites that we have. Okay? The appetites that we have. The appetites, when I say our appetites, most of us think about food. My wife made this great big banana pudding. And, you know, that was probably as close to gluttony as I'd gotten, okay? It was really, really hard. It's so good. It's so good, okay? So you get it, all right? But, but our appetites, our appetites, whether they're appetites for food, they're appetites for pleasure. They're appetites for being at ease, okay? Uh, so, so what do we, 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 we find ourselves falling because we're lazy, we take too much at, at ease. Okay? Phone's off. Phone's off. DS is, D, what are those things called? D2s? DS2s? DS is off. Okay? All of those things off. Okay? So the appetites that we have, whether it's for, uh, to, for to be thought of as great people, you know, we, we have those kind of appetites. We need to be loved, Right? Can that, can that overwhelm us and, find, and, and catch us in a fault and catch us in sin? Sure it can. The, 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 the desire or the appetite to, to, uh, to, to be well thought of, the appetite to be, uh, to be popular, the appetite to... Uh, kids, kids, kids get into this, right? The appetite to be popular. Does, is, are there some, are there some uh, slippery rocks in that area of, of our lives? Oh, never, right? <laughs> never, right? Okay, so, so it's, it's basically uh, when we are drawn away by the things that we want internally. Okay? 
So, he says, we are tempted. We are tempted when we are, we are carried away and enticed by our own lust. And when lust has conceived, with this, this desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow. All right. So, we have the conflict. Where's the conflict come from? We have desires. Some of them are good. Do you know that every desire that we have uh, essentially is in some form or fashion a gift from God? Okay? Sex is a great thing uh, in the right place, in the right time, in the right set of circumstances. It's a gift. We produce beautiful children. I see them everywhere. I love on them, okay? And, 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 it, and it's something that brings a, a husband and a wife together in, in, in such, in a, such of a level of intimacy. I mean, it's, it's, but you get outside of the bounds and it becomes a problem. It becomes a big problem. It becomes a nation-destroying destru- problem. Not only a personal-destroying problem, it becomes a problem. But it's a gift, isn't it? Everything, that every appetite that we have, you know, in other words, do we, does God want us to enjoy food? Goodness gracious, yes. Yeah. I'm growing, every, many of you know I'm growing this garden out there, and I think right now it's, it's, there's a battle. I don't know who's enjoying the food more, me or the groundhogs. Okay? But we're enjoying it. We're getting zucchini in. Uh, those, are, those are, I guess, the first things. The rest of them we'll see. Uh, there have been some obvious bites taken here and there. But we have these desires, and they're good, right? We love to eat. We love to get together. Fourth of July, we had a feast, didn't we? Many of you did. Okay? You get together with your friends. What do you do? You eat. Brings pleasure. We like ice cream. We like salads. We like all kinds of manner, right? I mean, everybody's saying, Pastor, what time's lunch? Okay, right? Okay. But God doesn't tempt us. And the sea ground of, of, of temptation is in our own desires. Let me... Okay, let me share with you a story I've shared before. I share this one because I don't know a better one. Okay? You've heard the, the story. I've told many of you the story of the dog and the dove. A guy, a guy had a dog, and it was like this. You know, I like, I like, to, I like to, to Appalachianize this because that's where my people came from. You know? And they had dogs. They had long-legged coon dogs. Okay? Big, slovenly, horsey, you don't bring them in the house dogs. Okay? And, and so this guy had one of those, but he had it in the house, okay? Probably a blue tick or something, okay. Anyway, and, and that was his pet, and, but one day, I mean, they lived, you know, you know, when you live in a house with a dog like that, okay, you live in a house with a dog like that. So he's out one day, and he sees, he, he was walking by a pet store, and he looks in, and he, and he falls in love with this caged white dove. He just falls in love with it. And he, and he goes in, and he buys it. I mean, just enamored. And he brings this home, and, you know, it's like he can't get enough of being around the stuff. It just, the beauty of it, and, and all of this is, this is really good. And he's feeding, he's taking it. And this dog gets jealous because all of a sudden, have you ever seen a jealous dog? I have. It's really strange to see a dog get jealous. But uh, they do all kinds of things when they're not getting their attention, right? 
And so, anyway, the dog gets jealous. And uh, so the guy's out one day shopping or something, and the dog knocks the cage over and is, 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 in, the, is, in, is in, the, in the midst of tearing the cage open and chewing on the bird when the guy comes home. Yeah, yeah, my, my daughter, Julie, hates this story, okay, because of the... <laughs> and so, so the guy saves the dove, okay, and, 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 and puts the cage back up and, and starts binding the wounds and stuff and puts the... And, everything, and then he turns on the dog. And he's angry. He's angry. And he, so he grabs the dog by the collar with the intention of dragging it outside and chaining it. But that dog has gotten really strong. It's big. He can't do it. He can't do it. He says, what am I going to do? And the idea comes to him. Starve it. This is what Julie doesn't like this story. And so he says, well, I don't know, I'm going to starve you. And as he began to withhold food from the dog, he began to feed and coddle and take care of and, and care for the dove. And the dove got stronger and stronger and stronger. He got healthier and healthier and healthier. And the dog got weaker and weaker and weaker. You, you, you would imagine that. You withhold. But boy, did it whine. It moaned. It groaned. It whined. It was just... But eventually it got weak enough to where he could get it by the collar, take it outside, and chain it and put it in its proper place. Now, if you haven't figured this out, it's not about a dove and a dog. It's about the two things that, that you and I wrestle with inside. I want you to know that, uh, that unbridled appetites, unbridled giving in to our appetites will lead to death. Will lead to problems. And unbridled giving into appetites will cannot live in, 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 you might say, in the same in the same spirit in the same soul that 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 the Holy Spirit is there, because they will be in conflict. And this is okay. I'm not being too you know too heady here, am I? Okay. The bottom line is: is what you feed grows. And what you starve gets weakened, weakens and dies. Okay? So, so this is simply a principle when it comes to dealing with the conflict that we naturally have when it comes to serving God or serving self and sin. All right. What we feed grows. What we starve dies. Now, let me turn to, to something quick, uh, quickly because I'm only halfway through and I've got just a little bit of time. Daniel, the first chapter. Now, I'm talking about preemptive, dealing preemptively with, with temptation. Now, I'm not going to, you can read chapter 1, but essentially, uh, Daniel and, and, and everyone had been taken out of Israel. And, 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 is, and Daniel and his buddies are slaves. Essentially, they're slaves. So Israel had kind of like, you know, you could have easily said, well, God has abandoned us. Let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. We're slaves in a, in a foreign land. So why, you know, if God has, 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 has abandoned us, why not abandon him? Have you ever felt like God has abandoned you because you find yourself in a difficult place? And there's always that temptation when you find yourself there because if you haven't, you will. You will find yourself in a difficult place because, because if you think that walking as a, as, a, as a godly man or a godly woman or as a godly young person will be without, without pushback or without any kind of, uh, of pressure, you're, you're sadly mistaken. This is a war. 
But, but thanks be to God, He has given you the Holy Spirit, He has given you His Word, and He allows you and will keep you and will uh, cause you and, can, and, and enable you to walk with strength and power and victory. Daniel was, uh, along with his buddies, were brought in. They were going to do service to the king. Okay? But Daniel, it's obvious, Daniel had thought about this beforehand. So when they brought out the food, they're going to feed these guys just from the king's table. What they thought was good food, but it was food probably sacrificed to idols and everything else. And Daniel had, Daniel had grown up in such a way, like most Jewish young people, said there's there certain food that you can't eat. It says, they, the king appointed them a daily ration from the king's choice, from the wine in which he drank, and etc., etc., etc. The scripture says that Daniel yet, I believe it's in the 8th verse, he says, yet Daniel purposed in his mind that he would not defile himself with the things that the king was going to give him. Folks, sometimes we, we need to understand that it's coming and we need to make a choice up front before, the, before we get into the situation what we will do and what we won't. So that when we find ourselves in a tight spot, we don't have to decide what we believe. Does that make sense? This is preemptive. This is a sin and temptation is predictive. We know what we're going to be tempted with. It hasn't changed. It's lying, it's cheating, it's stealing, it's sex, it's all the kinds of things. What will you do? You need to make up a, 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 make your, your mind up ahead of time. Temptations of life are predictive. Now, I could spend some time there, but I, I want to move on to, quickly on to grace. Because... Uh, you know, if you want to be successful and, you know, you need to know what the Word of God says. You need, you need to have already made a choice to, to live for God. You know, get off the fence and live for God. You know, the, the truth is the fence is a really miserable place to be. You're half in, half out. You're not happy in the world because you can't get enough of the world. You're not happy with God because you've, you've got all this stuff that you're still playing around with in life. And the Holy Spirit is, is, is pinging on you on a regular basis. And, and you're miserable. Joshua says, choose. Serve God. Or go the other way, if you so choose. Now, I'm not, that's not an invitation to go the other way. But God, there's, not a pers- there's not a person in here I can choose for. We choose. Yeah, we don't want to play how close can I get without falling in the fire. Bad idea. Go all the way. Will you get, will you get some uh, pushback from friends, your worldly friends? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I had a, had a general, an Air Force general. He came to Naples, Italy, where we were. And he told me this. He related this to me later. And he said that... Uh, that he, you know, he got into, you know, again, these officers and they've got their parties and they've got all this stuff going on and it's, the booze is flowing. And, and so he, he kind of looks around and he says to, to, his, uh, to his compadres and says, look, looking for a church to go to. What's, a, what's available? And they said, well, we got this and got that. And then there's this Maranatha thing. I was a pastor. <laughs> and he says, yeah, but those are a bunch of Bible thumpers. And he told me later on, he says, I knew exactly where I wanted to go. That's what I wanted. 
You see? He had made a choice that he would not defile himself. And so he was looking for a, a group of like-minded, like-hearted, like-spirited people that he could walk with in his, and, and allow his faith to grow and to be nurtured and to be strengthened by people who stood next to him and believed with him. Does that make sense, brothers and sisters, that we would do that? But what happens when we fail? What happens when we fall? Let me, let me turn to, to very quickly. I love this passage. It's one of my favorite passages. 1 John. I'm going to start with chapter 2. This is really good stuff. You've got to catch this and you've got to put this in your heart. You've got you 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 to drive a pin through this one and put it in your heart and just, and just lean on this one when you need it. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you. So that you may not sin. This is something I still hear pages. He says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the righteous. You know what an advocate is? You know, I got somebody in the room with the boss who's singing my praises. I've got somebody sitting next to the judge who's my buddy, who's more than my buddy. He's on my side. He has the judge's ear. It's Jesus. Who said that? Jesus. That's right. We have an advocate with the Father. He says, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. Back up to one chapter, chapter 1, verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins. Now, I want you to push, push this one in deep, too. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, it needs to be underlined in your Bible. I talked about a parachute. God provides a parachute. He says, I write these things to you, my little children, that you don't sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Now, why would I throw those, those kind of things out to you? Because... You know, when we fail, sometimes the enemy just comes in and just pounds us. And we're there, we're there, we're there. The scripture, the scripture, uh, trans- his, his, his name Lucifer is perfectly translated to accuser. Have you ever felt accused? Have you ever felt accused when you sin, when you fail, when you feel like you failed God, when you, when you, when you, when you fall? How long does it take you to get back up on your feet? I want you to know that God can put you on your feet in a moment. All you have to do is confess. And what you're feeling that's keeping you down is not conviction. It's condemnation. Now, John 3.17 says, now you, I want you, this is something you need to know. For God did not, for, for God sent his son into the world not to judge, but, but that the world may be saved through him. Does that mean? Catch that. Most of us know John 3.16. You've got to understand John 3.17. 
For God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And that's you. That's me. We have an advocate with the Father who came just to save us. Then we find at the end of that we have, there's two things. There's difference. I've said this before, but you need to hear it again. Conviction, condemnation, convictions of God. He'll convict us. The Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. Okay? You know what I mean? But conviction leads to confession. Confession leads to justification and righteousness and salvation. Condemnation is what oftentimes you feel. You've confessed it, but you still remember it. You still feel it. You're still thinking that God hasn't forgiven you. He said that. He said he forgave you. It's not because of how good you can be that he forgives you. But because of his righteousness and his grace and his favor to you. You'll never be good enough. Get get over it. (laughs) You'll never be good enough. It's a gift from God. And he keeps on giving. When we stumble, we simply look to him and say, God, forgive me. And he does. And I'm clean. And I'm pure all over again. And, and when those, those, those thoughts, those condemning thoughts come by, I simply reject them and say, I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He has saved me. He has taken away my sin. And he takes away my, my guilt and my guilt feelings. I reject him in the name of Jesus. You have to fight against the enemy. And the, and the way that you fight is with his word. His word is all powerful and we see that. James said, oh, musicians come. And James tells us this. Over and over. In fact, at least twice. I think this is somebody's. He tells us this. If we resist him, he will He'll what? Flee. That doesn't sound to me like a devil that's got, got, got you by the, by the nap of the neck and shaking. It says if you resist him, he will flee. Flee from you. You know, one, one last thing. It says, and I've said this, I say these kinds of things over and over, but I want you to get it. Just because you remember the debt doesn't mean it's owed. You paid that electric bill last week. Or last month. It's paid, right? You remember it? Do you still owe it? Just because you remember it? No. You remember the fall, the thing, the places where you stumbled. But please, if you would simply allow the memory of his grace to overflow. If you would simply remember that he said, my grace is sufficient for you. You might say, you don't know what I've done. I may not know what you've done, but I know what Jesus did. I know, stand with me folks, I know what he did and it was sufficient. He knows you in love, he knows you better than your parents do, knows you better than your children do. He knows everything that you've ever done, ever thought, and yet he loves you. Isn't that, a, isn't that crazy? It's not crazy, it's, it's just powerful. Can you accept that? That's faith, when you accept that, now, last week you were tempted. This week you'll be tempted. <laughs> and there's choices to be made, right? 
I'm not saying, well, just, just go on and just do it and then ask forgiveness. That's not where we're going here. We're going we're gonna to fight. God's going to, you know, we, we need to starve the flesh. I've got one more note I want to share with you. Discipleship. If you journal, 1992, they did a survey and talked, they ranked the areas of greatest challenge for people. One was materialism. Number two was pride. Three, self-centeredness. Four, laziness. Five, it was a tie between bitterness and anger. Six was a tie between sexual and lust. Envy, gluttony, lying. Temptation, they found, was, was more powerful, more potent when, you, when, when people neglected their time with God. Okay? Don't come to church. Don't worship. Don't read your Bible. Yeah, you're toast because the only, God's the one that holds this thing back. Okay? Temptation was more potent when you were physically tired. Okay? Just, just the reality of life. You're resisting successfully. When you resisted successfully, it's usually accompanied because you prayed. You thought out ahead and you avoided compromising situations. Bible study and being having somebody in your life you're accountable to. All those things. I know I've given you a whole lot today, but I want to impress upon you that His grace is sufficient for you. Amen? I don't know if you've fought, you've wrestled with stuff and you know, you just, you, you want to reset. You want to reset today. Okay? And maybe some things that you're wrestling with right now, whether it's at work or in a relationship, you know what the right thing to do is. Yet you don't find it within your strength to, to do the right thing. You want to do the right thing, like Paul said, but you're wrestling. You're wrestling. I don't know what it is. It might be just something that's you don't want to talk to anybody else about, and that's fine. This is, God, this is God's territory. This is holy ground, okay? Whether you're there or you're around this altar, I want you to know that you can take that to God. Talk to Him about it. Talk to Him about it and ask Him for strength. Ask Him for strength and ask Him for holy purpose to walk with Him and to walk in purity, walk in holiness. Amen? Amen? These altars are open. If you're here, you know, I'm just going to throw this out. If you're here, you've never given your heart to Christ and you'd like to give your life to Jesus today. You'd like to have your, your sins forgiven. Come and meet me here as we sing, as we worship, before we close our service today. The altars are open for anyone who wants to pray about anything whatsoever. To, to, you might say, cash in a little bit and just drive a stake and say, God, here I stand. I want to serve you. Amen? I want you to help with me with temptations. I need your help here. Let's, let's sing. Let's worship. Hallelujah.